Well, good morning, Overland. My name is Jessica. I'm the worship pastor here. Let's stand to our feet. We are going to worship Jesus this morning, and we're so glad you're here.
us in this moment for you to soften our hearts. We just know you're already here. Your presence is just thick in this room. So we just ask that not a moment of this morning would be wasted. We fix our eyes on you.
Jesus taught his disciples to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if God's kingdom, heaven is freedom, is love, is light, is life, is a fearless place, why wouldn't we want that to flood earth? Why wouldn't we want to experience that? Why wouldn't we want to taste that and experience that together? And so that's why we declare it together. Flood the earth, flood the earth. Let us see your kingdom. May heaven meet earth. We believe it is possible. I love being together. I love Overlake. I love singing with you. I love celebrating with you. I love not only longing for God's kingdom together, but participating in God's kingdom with you. It's a good, it's a good thing. My name is Neely. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so glad you're here today. We have a great day. I am thrilled that you're here. We are on the third week of our book study of 1 Thessalonians, but we have a very special beloved friend of ours here that has been with us before. I like to take a little credit for him just because that's how I roll because he first came to student ministries, but you guys might remember him, Jonathan Rainey. He, yeah, let's... We're very excited about him. He is with Fellowship of Christian Athletes. He is one of the chaplains for the Seattle Seahawks, a little football team in the area. And then also for another stellar football team, the UW Huskies. Um, and he, he, he knows that some of you may cheer for the Cougs. And he says, you belong to, and that's the kind of kingdom we're building, one where everybody can come together. So we're excited about that. I'm excited for you to hear from him. But when you came in, you got this little handout, and inside this handout is the connection card, and it's such an important part of what we do every Sunday morning is we fill this information out, make sure we're connected to each other. And today it's a little bit different. Um, Elder James Whitfield will be up at the end to kind of walk us through something with the budget on the back, so you're going to want to fill that out sometime during the service. But if it's your first time, I'd love for you to fill it out, and then as you exit, you'll go to the Connection Center and just exchange it for a little gift. It's kind of our way of saying Thanks for being here um, because we're thrilled. And you actually picked a stellar Sunday to be here, so I'm very excited for you. The weather says it's going to be sunny. I don't know. You know, it feels risky to put our hope in the weather. But um, why don't you do this? Why don't you greet some people next to you and say, you know, what are you going to do when you see the sun? Well, good morning. Good morning. Overlake. All five of y'all, thank you so, so much for responding. We'll try that one more time. Good morning, Overlake. Such a uh, privilege to be here to share uh, God's word with God's people. And can we go before the Lord in prayer? Let's do it. God, we love you. We thank you so much for your grace and your mercy, God. We thank you so much for who you are. Thank you so much for who's, who, whose we are, Lord. We are yours. We are your children. We are the apple of your eye because you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins, Lord. But even more than that, he was raised on the third day. And now he intercedes on our behalf as he sits at the right of you, Lord. We just thank you so much for all that you have done. Father, I pray that, Father, you be most magnified, most, most glorified, that, Father, you would be seen in this place, God. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come into this place, Lord, and you would do what only you can do. That's transform our hearts, our minds, and our souls. We need to feel you. We need to sense you. We need to be touched by you, Holy Spirit. We pray that your word, Lord, we thank you so much for your word. Your word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path, God. Where would we be without your word? So, Father, we ask that if we break open the bread of life, Lord, that you would feed us. 
that, Father, we may be satisfied, Lord, that you would feed us, that, God, you would be glorified in this time, God. So, Father, meet us where we are, God. We have some who come in here who are burdened, Lord. We pray you remove the burdens, Lord. For the word says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, God. So, Father, we pray that you would bring this place, we would bring freedom into this place because you dwell here. Praise the Lord. Amen. And we trust that, Father, you are the great physician. You would do surgery on our hearts and our minds, Amen. that you would make it more like Jesus. Amen. So, Spirit of God, take the word of God, minister to the hearts of God's people, that they may be more like the Son of God, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We'll be coming from uh, uh, 1 Thessalonians, continue our series through 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And before we dive into the scriptures, I want to give you guys a little context. So Paul wrote this uh, uh, letter to uh, the, the church at Thessalonica but because they were going through uh, intense persecution. He was actually ran out of Thessalonica because of uh, the persecution that was going on. He actually left Thessalonica and went to, uh, to, to, to Corinth, and, and uh, he wrote this letter from Corinth back to the church uh, at Thessalonica. And these, this church at Thessalonica were, were, were young believers. They were, they were young in their faith, and, and Paul deals with... Uh, a couple of different uh, things in chapter one. He deals mostly with salvation. He deals with their salvation in chapter one. In chapter two, he deals with their service in chapter two. Can you say chapter one, salvation? Amen. Say chapter two, service. In chapter three, he deals with their sanctification. And that's just a fancy theological word that actually means uh, uh, they're being set apart for God's service and for his own special relationship with, with God. So uh, God wants to sanctify us, and he does that sometimes by allowing us to go through trials and tribulations and sometimes afflictions. And so uh, we're going to deal with this. And Paul was, was, was nervous about this young church because they were young in their faith, but yet they were going through tribulations and trials that, that grown people in their faith go through. And he, he wondered, he says, I wonder if they're still walking with God. God. And we're going to be encouraged today to see that, that, that this church was walking with God. And it's going to be an encouragement to us because I believe Overlake is, is going through something similar, but God is faithful and he is, and, and he is walking with us and he will empower us to do what he's called us to do. Can I get an amen? As you, as you guys can see, I'm kind of loud and I get pretty excited. So I like when you say things back to me. I like this 11 o'clock service. 9 o'clock was kind of a little, little, you know, little bit slow, but the 11 o'clock seemed like I got a little swag with him. I like that. That's what I'm talking about. So, so the, the title of this, this sermon is called Tested and Approved. You can write that down in your notes. Tested and Approved. Tested and approved. You guys ever seen any marketing? Uh, they'll say, daughter tested, mother approved. You know what I mean? It's like you have this tested and approved, meaning, meaning that you passed the test. You've shown yourself to be the real thing, the real deal, to be genuine, to be authentic, to be who you say you are. And get this, you cannot claim Christianity unless you go through trials because, because Paul said this. He says, I want to know God and the power of his resurrection. We shout for that one, don't we? But he also says, and the fellowship of his what? Suffering, He says, they're they they are a combo deal. They're like your DNA. They are latched together. They are, they are, they are, they, you can't separate the, the power of his resurrection, how, how God raised them from the dead without the fellowship of his suffering. Amen. He says, they, they, they go hand in hand. Sometimes we as believers, we go through highs and lows, the ebb and flows of life. That we go through these times where we're incredibly, we're triumphant, and then we go through these times when we're in the dump. Ask your boy David in Psalms. He, he was the man. He, he, you know, they said, 
Saul, Saul killed his thousands. David killed his ten thousand. He was the man. He killed Goliath. But yet he, he's in a cave. He's like, God, I just, I'm stuck in this miry clay. He says, get me out of this miry clay. I don't know if that's you or not today, but, but I've gone through those spots where God, sometimes I'm like, God, what are you doing up there? So sometimes I ask the question and I have to, I have to uh, 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 praise God that he's changed me with this. I ask the God, why are you doing this to what? To me. But God is his, in his ministry. He showed me through his word, show me through his spirit and show me through circumstance. That he's not doing this to me, but he's doing this for me. Amen. You guys get that? That God allows us to go through trials and tribulations for our development. I, I get to be around some of the best athletes in the world. You dub football players. I mean, they, they, they get in there, they work out. And the Seahawks, and it's pretty amazing. I get to be around guys who got like 3% body fat. I don't know if you guys have ever seen DK Metcalf, but that boy is a monster. I got to say this. He's, he's also from Mississippi, so I got to give a shout-out to the SIP real quick. But he's a monster, 3%, 1%, 2% body fat. I, that joke is just huge. And I get to see these guys work out. <sighs> Do all these different exercises, but get this. You don't grow until you do what? Strain. Amen. You can't grow until you strain. Right. You can't grow until you put some adversity on your back. If you guys made your New Year's resolution last month, we're going to do what? Girl, I'm about to go to the gym, and I'm about to get, get ready for the summertime, and yet they don't step a day in the gym. Yeah. You eating Twinkies all the time. Trust me, you're going to grow, <laughs> but it ain't going to be the right way. <laughs> Praise God. You have to have that strain in order to build your muscle. And so God has tested and approved these, this church. Amen. And we're going to read, we'll give you three points. The first point in verses one through five is you're going to see the testing of their faith. You're going to see the testing of their faith. You don't know you got faith until you, it's been tested. You don't know you got a good marriage until it's been tested. You don't know you got good kids until they've been tested. You don't know you're good at anything until you've been what? Tested. You dub ain't gonna let you walk out of there with a degree without taking a test. Mm. You gotta be tested. Amen. Huh. Point number two, verses six through ten. We also see the first we see the testing of their faith. We see the triumph of their faith. I want you guys to write that down. The triumph of their faith. How their, their faith, it triumphed over circumstances. And, and lastly, verses 11 through 13, we're gonna see the tr transformation of their faith. You got the testing of their faith, the triumph of their faith, and the transformation. I like alliteration. I'm a T guy, you know what I mean? So, so we're going to use those three T's today. But get this. So he reads in, uh, in, 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 in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. So y'all pray with me, pray for me, because I'm a boy from Mississippi. You know anything about Mississippi? We, we, we big and we, we ain't that smart, you know, but it's okay. And, I, and as a little child, I, I struggle with a little dyslexia. So if I read kind of slow, don't be judging me, okay? So... Verse 1, he says, therefore, when we can no longer endure it, we thought it was good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of, our, of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your, what's that word? Faith. He says, I sent Timothy, get this, Paul was a smooth brother. That's one thing I like about Paul. He probably had a lot of swag because he thought, he thought strategically, he thought biblically, and he was spirit-led. I love this about Paul. Paul sent Timothy there because Timothy was half Jewish and he was half Greek, which meant that he probably looked like the people he was sending him there. Now, it's amazing. You send Carlton Banks off into the hood, Carlton Banks might get beat up. Because <laughs> he don't look like nobody in the hood. 
says, I become what? All things to what? All men that I may what? Save some. Amen. It's amazing. Amen. He was very strategic and very wise to send Timothy. Timothy, this, this young protege who he actually mentored and discipled and trained in the ministry, was faithful in the ministry. He sent him there. And so I'm just saying this point for you, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I want you to think, think strategically. Stink. I said stink. Think, think strategically. That's Mississippi. Say just that's in Mississippi coming out of him. It's all good. Think strategically. He, he, he thought strategically. Not only that, he says, I want to encourage you and establish you. He wants to bring encouragement. He wants to undergird, strengthen their faith, but also establish their faith. That word establish in the Greek actually means to make it firm to the point where they can stand. I don't know if you guys ever saw those people, I can't do this little thing. What's that little rowboat thing they do in Lake Washington? They have a little board. and they, I'm just terrible at that because every time I get on there, I fall. I fall. Is that paddleboarding? Yeah, 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 I can't do that. No. <laughs> he said, I want to make you, I want to make you solid in your faith. In verse 3, he says that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. The word shaken in the original language is, is a, a word that actually means the dog wagging his tail. Actually, I mean, take shake tail for a little bit. You know what I mean? You ever seen that, 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 that video? Don't, don't look at that video. But anyway. <laughs> It actually means to wag your tail. The picture here, one of my friends in California would say, he says, he says, Jonathan, when I'm walking my dog, this is the picture in the Greek, I'm walking my dog and we're walking in trails and what would end up happening is that coyotes would actually come up and they would have a pack of coyotes that would actually come up and they would actually send the female coyotes out. And the female coyotes would be usually one, two, sometimes three of them. They would actually come up to our dog and, and basically do like this and look back and try and entice the dog to, to chase the coyotes. And if the dog chases the coyotes, those female coyotes, which were used as lure and bait, will run around the corner, and sometimes there'll be 10, 15 male coyotes waiting there to pounce on and kill the dog. Because that's how coyotes actually work. They want to take out any threat or predator that's in their territory. And so that's how afflictions are. It, it, it basically, he's saying, don't let the afflictions uh, pull you away and drag you away from God to the point where you will actually end up dying. He says, don't be shaken by these afflictions for yourselves, no, verse 3, that we were appointed to this. Amen. And we're going to preach on that a little bit later. Uh, a, a lot of modern church tell you that uh, uh, God doesn't want you to go through any suffering. That's, that's actually not biblical. God, God allows you to go through suffering because there's a greater joy that comes on the other side of suffering. If our Lord didn't suffer, would we be even be saved? He had to die on a cross to be, be, be flogged, to be, had, had, had a crown of thorns put in his head, to be nailed on a cross to suffer for our salvation. That God allows us to go through suffering to grow us. He says, you were appointed for this. Verse 4, he says, for this fact, for in fact, we told you beforehand, which you, we were with you, that we would suffer tribulations just as, just as it happened. And, and you know, for this reason, when I can no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor may be in vain. Point number one, Paul's dealing with the testing of their faith. Get this, this faith, this walking with Jesus thing is not always high. Sometimes it's highs and lows and all that's in between. But God uses all things. That's what the word says. He, he uses all things for the good, for those who love God and call according to his purpose. God can use your highs, your lows, your in-betweens, your indifference to, to grow you and make you like his son. That's his ultimate goal, that you would be like Jesus. That's his ultimate goal. 
And Paul says, guess what God does? He uses, he sanctifies, he makes us like himself. He, he, he sets us apart by allowing afflictions to come. Now, if the theology that God uh, never allows anything bad to happen in your life was true, get this, you would never fully know who God is. Amen. Does that make sense? Can I qualify that for real quick? So you would never know God as Jehovah Jireh. Does anybody know what that means? God, our provider, if you never had lack. You would never know God as Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner, the one who fights for me when you couldn't fight for yourself. You would never know God as our righteousness. If, if, if you wouldn't, you wouldn't simple yourself, you would never know him as, as, as Jehovah righteousness. If, if you wouldn't simple and you needed his righteousness to be imputed on your behalf. God allows us to go through these issues. You wouldn't know God as Jehovah Shema, the God who's always there if you've never been lonely. God allows you to go through these times so you may see who he is and experience who he is, his majesty, his glory, his power, his transcendence, how, how, how special, how unique he is. And there's none beside him. There's none like him. He's in a class all by himself. Can I, can I get an amen? So you won't really experience who God is until you go through these trials. So you go through these situations. One of my favorite is Jehovah Ra'ah. It actually means the Lord, my shepherd. Can I, can I preach that real quick? Can I, I, can, y'all going to help me preach today? Uh, uh, the Bible says the Lord is what? My shepherd. I shall not what? Won't. He didn't say he was your shepherd, her shepherd, his shepherd. David made it personal. He said he's my shepherd. I don't know about what he is to you, but he's my shepherd because he shepherded me. He says, I shall not want. He making me to lie down in green pastures. Why does God make you to lie down in green pastures? Does anybody know? This is why he makes us lie down in green pastures because he knows sheep are inherently stupid and dumb. Can I get an amen? And we like sheep, we do our own thing. We like to be our own God. So he makes me lie down in green pastures. Number one, he takes me to a place where I can feed green pastures as well as sheep feed. But he makes them lie down. Speaking to a, to, to, to a man who herded sheep, it's pretty amazing. He says he makes them lie down because that's the only way sheep can actually digest their food. Wow. They digest at a place of rest. Wow. Think about that. How often you, do you grow in distraction? Not very much. God says, I will make you rest even in the midst of your trial. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He, he restores my soul. That means he regenerates the spirit that's within inside of me. Huh. He leads me beside the still waters. Why did God lead us beside the still water? Because get this, sheep are stupid. Did I say that before? They dumb, ignorant, as they say in Mississippi. And get this. Sheep are not strong. They're big. They got all this, this, this wool on them, and they got scrawny little legs. They miss leg day in the gym. You know what I mean? They got scrawny little legs. <laughs> and they walk. And the one thing about sheep, if they get in running water, guess what happens to them? <laughs> and they drown. No lie. They drown. They will drown in running water. Get this. Sheep won't drink unless they can see their reflection. Get this, you need to know who you are before you can be at peace to drink. When God, when you know your identity, when you're at a place of peace where you can rip down and you can, you can, you can sup down and you can drink. God says, he says, I won't allow you to drink unless you can see yourself. Because a lot of us, we forget who we are. 
We be what we, 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 we who the world tells us to be. I didn't even preach this first service, but I got to go. We got to do this. If God's spirit is going somewhere different with this. A lot of us, we, 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 need to, we need to be who God called us to be, but we need to be able to see ourselves. You can't get saved until you see yourself for who you are, until you notice that you, you understand that you're a sinner and you need salvation. You need a perfect Savior to save you. And then you see your sin and you see how, 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 how you're messed up. You need this perfect sinner who saved you now to cleanse you. And, and you need this spirit that he's given you to fill you and make you and fill you to overflowing to the point that it makes you like him. He says, I want you to see yourself. Man. He says, he lead me beside the still water. He restoreth my soul. Huh. He lead me in the path of righteousness sake. It's pretty amazing that whole path of righteousness in the Hebrew actually means he makes me. The word leads me means it's, it's, the, it's the Hebrew word for orbit. I don't know if y'all get this, but he makes me orbit around him. And when something orbit around something, what happens? It draws it to itself. Get this. The moon has no significance without the earth. The moon orbits around the earth. It has, it gets its identity from the thing it orbits around. The earth has no significance without the what? Sun. And the earth cannot sustain itself without the what? Sun. Get this, you have no significance, nor can you sustain yourself without Jesus. He says, orbit around me. He says, he makes me walk and he leads me in paths of righteousness. He makes me orbit around paths of righteousness. Any good shepherd would only lead you to places where you're in right standing, right relationship with God, where you live in righteousness. But that only happens, and God uses that through trials. Get this. Paul, Paul, Paul's writing to this church, and he's telling them, he says, hey, guys, I want you to know that you have, you have, you have, you have, you have been tested and you have been approved. Because you've gone through the tests. Huh. I told the first statement, first service, this statement, I want you guys to write this down, put it on Twitter, put it on Instagram, put it on whatever you want to put it on. You can get a tattoo about it. But get this. God has faith in those who have faith in him. Amen. Can I qualify that for you? My boy Job. Anybody read Job's story? Yeah. Love Job's story. Job's doing his thing. He's living the American dream. You know what I mean? He's doing his thing. He's, he, got, he, got, he got a beautiful family. He has a business. He has cattle. He has everything that you could want. And old knucklehead named Satan was walking the earth one day. He's walking to and fro, the Bible says. And God says, hey, hey, bro, what you doing walking the earth? That's the NIV. Say with me, Negro International Version, amen. I'm bringing that book. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm going to write that in, the NIV version out, and it's going to be Money. But anyway, uh, so he goes. He's like, hey, bro, what you doing? He says, man, I'm trying to walk the earth. I'm trying to find somebody to tempt. And he says, have you considered my servant Job? God brings Job up to Satan. Right. And, and he says, well, no, nah, I can't mess with Job because you put this hedge of protection around him. He says, I'll pull, I'll pull it from over him. And guess what? He still won't curse me. He still won't turn his back on me. He says, do it then. He says, all right then. And Job lost everything he had within one day. Get this. It's not so much faith that you have in God sometimes. It's, it's about the faith that God has in you. Amen. Can God trust you that he can bring your name up? He says, have you considered Jonathan? Have you considered Overlake? Have you considered Isaac? Have you considered uh, uh, James? Have, can God say that about you? He says, have you considered my servant? I like that. My servant, Jonathan. My servant, Overlake. Can Overlake, does God have enough faith in Overlake that God will take Overlake, allow Overlake to go through anything 
And Oleg won't turn his back on God. And he'll continue to trust God and love God and serve God. And one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Job 121, because Job got it. Job wasn't a man who was all about his stuff. He was about his God. And you can see it in this statement. He says, the Lord gave. I didn't make it. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't work for it all. He says, God gave it. And the Lord has done what? Taken away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. Get this. Faith is only good. Faith is only good of the object that you put it in. Faith is only good for the object that you put it in. A lot of people have faith. Everybody has faith. The atheists have faith. They, they don't even know they have faith. Everybody has faith. You get in the plane every so often, you go up in the air, guess what? You have faith that that, that, that plane is going to land. But guess what? Faith is only as good as the object. Job put his faith not in how much he had or who he knew, how popular he was, how he was bawling and shot calling. He put his faith in Amen. his God. Amen. He said the Lord gave it and the Lord took it away. But, but, but blessed be the name Amen. of the Lord. When you lose everything, you praise God. Yeah. That's when you know you love God. When, when you can lose everything and say, God still got me. Amen. That God still got me. He still got me. So these, these believers, man, they stood for God. Have I been walking around that much that all my papers start moving? Praise God. He says, they stood for God. He says, you have been appointed to go through trials and tribulations. See, they were appointed for that. But get, the, get this, they passed the test. He says, I don't care how young you were, you still passed the test. You pass the test. I have a lot of guys that go off in football for the pro ball. And you see them at the combines, these guys, and you see them come to practice. And I'm sitting there looking. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's a number guy. He's a number guy. He's a number guy because they're not going to make this team. You just, you just know. You know guys, even that you does, like, yeah, he's a practice guy or maybe he's a starter. You can just see it because they have the goods. Get this. Every believer has the goods. Why? Because of the person that lives inside of you. Amen. That's one thing I love about Christianity is that nobody's better than anybody else. Pastor Jonathan is not better than you because he's a pastor. Get this. The whole same spirit that lives in me lives in you. We got the same thing, baby. And we got to appropriate as we live by the Spirit and, and, and led by the Spirit. God will use us and we will get to be, we will get to understand and be loved by him. Get this. A young eagle, when it's time to leave the nest, the mother sometimes would just, well, mothers oftentimes would take the baby eagles when they sense it's time for them to move on and to grow, they would take the eagle and they would get the talon and they would pick them up and throw them out the nest. Uh -huh. Ain't that cruel? Uh -huh. And the baby eagle would be like, <laughs> and he's going, <laughs> then all of a sudden the mother eagle would come and scoop, pick him up. And she would do this process over and over and over wow. from three to six days. And what the, what the mother is doing, she's actually getting rid of fear from the eagle. Because you can't fly if you got what? Because <laughs> God has not given us a spirit of what? All right. <clears throat> so for three to six days, she'll do that. And she'll, she'll continue to do it. And on that third to sixth day, she'll push him out. And guess what happened? And then he'll open up his wings. And he begins to fly. He begins to fly. God says, I've sent trials and tribulations your way to 
build your wings that you may fly, that you may fly high. You may be mounted up with wings as eagles, as Isaiah tells us, that you may fly high, but you've got to pass the test. Why would the mother eagle do that? Because she knows there are going to be some days that the baby's going to fly and there are going to be windstorms. Unless his wings are strong, he's going to be knocked down by the storms. Get this, God allows us to go through things now because he sees the future of where we're going to go. Point number two. God, I stayed on point number one too long. Point number two, we see the triumph of their faith, verses 6 through 10. Verse 6, he says, but now Timothy has come to us from you and brought us the good news of your faith and your love and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us and we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, in all of our afflictions and distress, we were comforted concerning you, your faith. Verse 8 is a verse I want to focus on today. He says, for now we live or we are living in the Greek if you, are, if you stand or standing fast in the Lord. Amen. Verse 9, he says, For what thanks can we render to God for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before God, our God, night and day, praying exceedingly that, you may, that we may see your face and perfect that which is lacking. Get this. Verses 6, you see, uh, Timothy brings gr- uh, good news back. He gr- brings a great report back of their faith and their love in verse 6, their fond memories of Paul in verse 6, and also their desire to see him. In verse 7, he was comforting, knowing that their faith was growing. Because that's what faith does. It doesn't stay the same. It grows. And then verse 8 is is where I want to focus at. Get this. Paul felt alive because of their growth. He felt alive because of their growth. Have you guys ever heard the expression, because I'm around a lot of athletes, you ever heard the expression that ball is life? You ever heard that? You ever been on Instagram or been on Facebook and you see these jokers crossing each other up or somebody getting tackled and they say ball is life? For, for, for Paul, it would be growth is life. Amen. Get this, Paul got excited when people were growing and when they were winning. He was so opposite of our world and our world culture because in our world, it's like, I gotta be better than you. I gotta have a bigger house than you. I gotta have a bigger car than you. I gotta have better, prettier girl than you. I have a prettier guy than you, whatever. It gotta be, we want up each other in our culture, but Paul says, no, I like it when you win. I love it when you're growing. I love it when you're walking and you're becoming like the person that God has called you to be. Amen. Hmm. Paul said, I come alive. He says, it brings me life when I see you grow. It reminds me of of Coach Carroll. I love Coach Carroll. I've learned so much from this man. He's a great coach, a great person, a great teacher. This dude is 68. I think he's almost 69 years old, but he has the energy of a teenager. Because when he gets around ball, it it brings life out of him. I get to see him at practice. He's like this. I mean, I, mean I, I would be scared if I was a piece of gum around Coach Carroll because he's going to rip you apart. I mean, that joke would be. <laughs> hey, Jonathan, what's up, man? You doing good? I'm like, we're doing good, Coach. And he sit there and throw the balls and stuff. And he's like a little teenager. I'm like, dude, where you get all this energy from? He says, man, I love this. I love being in competition. I love being around the game. It's crazy. Coach gets his energy when he's around the game. He, he has this passion when he's around the game. He's, he's like a, a child. He's always smacking his gum when he's around the game because he's walking and living in his purpose. Paul says, my purpose is when people grow. Amen. I love to see you grow. I want to see you win. I want to see you grow. He says, I come alive. Let me ask you a question, and we'll transition to point number three. What brings you the most joy? What brings you the most sadness? What, what keeps you up at night? Hmm. What makes you come alive? 
Let me ask this question to the church at whole. What, what brings you joy? What gets you, what gets you going? Paul, Paul says, I pray for you guys night and day. He says, it's my joy. It brings life to me to pray. He says, he closes out verse 10. He says, I want to come to you that I can add something to your life. I want to perfect you. That word perfect doesn't mean to make morally perfect. It actually means I want to complete something that may be lacking in you. Man, think about if we had that mindset in our Christian church that when we see each other, we want to serve each other. When we see each other, we want to encourage each other. We want to help you become the best version of Jesus in you that you can ever be. Man, Paul said, that's what brings life out of me. We know this. The thing that brings life out of you is the thing that's going to have your heart's affection. If it's money, money's going to dominate your life. If it's drugs, drugs are going to dominate your life. If it's, if it's popularity, popularity is going to dominate your life. Paul says, no, you know what dominates my life? It's when I can serve God and see God's people growing, coming to God and growing in God. Paul, that's what Paul was about. He was about that. He saw the triumph of their faith. Amen. Lastly, in closing, we see the transformation of their, of their faith, verses 11 through 13. Now may our, our God and our Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. It actually, the word direct in the Greek actually means to clear the path and make it straight. He says, may God make a straight path from us to you. Love that. He says, and may the Lord make you increase. That actually means to, to, to overflow. And he says also, and abound. And it was a Greek word. It actually means to, to super overflow. He says to be super abounding to the point where you can't even hold it anymore. It's to the point where it's overflowing. It's too much. It's, it's more than enough. It's the same word that when, when, when Jesus fed the 5,000 and, 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 and John, where they had 12 baskets of food left over. It's to the point where you got more than you need and you can supply others with it. He says, God wants to increase you and abound you in one thing, love. He says he wants you to have love. Amen. Hmm. It's amazing. He didn't say hope. He didn't say all these things. He says love because the greatest of these, 1 Corinthians 13 says, the greatest of things is faith, hope, and love. Love is the greatest. Get this. If you have love, you're the most like Jesus you can ever be. A loving person, a person who loves God and loves people, Jesus says, fulfills the law. He says, if you can do those two things, you will be walking at me at the highest level. Loving God and loving people. That's why I love this church because guess what? Our motto is to do what? Love God and to love people. Man, when you love people, when you love God, you, you want the best for people. You want people to grow. You want to encourage people. You want to establish people. You, you, want, you want people to become like Christ because you love them. He says, I want you to see that increase and super abound to the point that they have so much. You have so much love that it's overflowing to the point that it touches everything and everybody that comes in your contact. Do you love that way? He says, to one another and to all, just as we do to you. I, I spoke to the leadership earlier, first service, and I'll do it again. Get this, Paul says, I'm not telling you what to do, I'm showing you how to do it. It's amazing. Uh, I, 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 we have a little saying in some of the leadership stuff that I do, you know, leaders will lead, get this. And if you're a leader, you will lead, know that. 
but direction matters. Where are you taking people? How are you training people? Men, can I talk to the men who are married in this church? You are leading your house. But where are you leading your spouse and your kids? How are you leading your spouse and your kids? If <laughs> my grandfather told me this, he says, Jonathan, he says, he was a pastor for 68 years with three churches, walked up and down the railroad tracks and these dirt roads in Mississippi, pastoring three churches for 68 years. And he said this, he says, you should look at my life and my life should mirror scripture. Amen. And I said, break that down for me, granddaddy. I'm like seven years old. He says, my life, you should look at my life and you, can sh you should see the word of God. Amen. And he gave, me, he gave me license that he says, if I'm not mirroring God's word, he says, guess what? Call me out on it. Help me with it. Call me out. He says, show me how to do that better for you because we had a model in our family. My grandmother used to teach us all the time. More is caught than taught. More is caught than taught. And they just finally figured this out. 68% of kids are visual learners, not auditory learners. They're visual learners. We, as a culture, we see things. That's that whole monkey see, monkey do. Yeah. Yeah. That's why when I counsel kids who come from abusive homes and they, they're abusing their, their girlfriend, I say, you know what? I know you don't want to. You hate it when your dad did that to your mom. But it's amazing. You, you, what you see, you, you mimic because that's the only way you know how to do life. God says, leaders, show them the way. And Paul says, I, just as we did to you, so we may establish you in your hearts in blameless, blameless and holiness before our God and the Father and at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all of his saints. In closing, I have a couple of stories. Paul is basically telling them, he says, you need to be transformed in your growth. Don't stop. Keep going. Don't stop. Keep growing. Don't stop. Keep growing. There was a study done on the 5,000 plus people who climbed Mount Everest. And they interviewed these people. And these people pay sometimes $35,000 to go up to Mount Everest. And it's interesting, a lot of these people come to Seattle to train because they climb Mount Rainier because it's something that's it's a, it's a mountain that's actually similar to Mount Everest. And it's interesting, these people would go and they would climb Mount Everest and, and sometimes it would take uh, weeks and sometimes months to climb this mountain. It's the highest point on the face of the earth. And so what they would do is that they would climb this mountain and they would uh, 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 get up there and they would, they would pay this money and they could go in May or October and they would have two groups that go every year. And they would get to the top and the ones who actually got there, they did an average estimate. They says, we want to find everybody who's climbed this mountain and find out what happened when they got to the top. And guess what they found out? They found out when they got to the top of the mountain, guess how long the average person stayed up there? An hour. Hour? Keep going. Who? Five, actually, six to ten minutes. On average, eight minutes. Wow. Get this. You spend a month <laughs> climbing up a mountain. <laughs> Pay $35,000. You know what I mean? Climbing up a mountain, and you get there, you take your selfies and your pictures and everything, and you're there for eight minutes? Ten minutes tops? And they pulled me and said, why'd y'all do this? And get this. They said this, we've conquered the mountain. What else is there to see? What else is there to do? We're not happy that we got this. We got to go to the next thing. 
And a lot of these people would actually leave this mountain and they would do triathlons and Ironmans and they would uh, swim the English Channel, you know, and they would, they would push themselves to greater heights. They say, we gotta, we gotta use all the capacity we have to grow at this moment so we can't become complacent. So Paul is telling this church, he says, you guys have gone through the adversity, the trials. Don't become complacent because guess what? There's still more to do. There's still greater mountains to climb. There's still greater things to do for our Lord. Amen. I want to encourage us to, to do that with our church. And in closing, when I was going to Leavenworth, there was a guy who uh, was a logger, and it was pretty interesting. He was, he was talking about how we were looking at these logs that he was separating. And these logs that he separated, I was like, well, why you got this big pile over here and this small pile over here? And he shares a story about how um, the big pile of logs were trees that, were, that grew in the valley. And I was like, okay. He says, well, you don't understand, Jonathan. He says, trees that grow in the valley, they don't fight the storms. He says, these trees up here grew up on top of the mountain. He says, whenever there's a storm goes through, the wind hits them, and the rain and the snow, it just pounds them. And guess what happens? They get stronger because they've been on the top of the mountain. And he said, when they roll down, they actually eventually break and they roll down, we use them. He says, the, 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 the wood from the ones that are on the, in the valley, he says, they have a grain, but it's not as fine. He says, but the wood from on top of the mountain, because it's been growing through trials and tribulations, its whole existence from, from being a baby all the way up to being a, a, a full mature tree, it, it, its grain is more stronger and it's finer. And guess what? We use this wood for finer purposes. We don't take this, this wood to, just to make any old lumber. We make any old lumber with this wood, but the, but the ones that have been on the top of the mountain, we use it for great purposes. We put it in houses, and this wood costs more money because it is way stronger. It's pretty amazing. God often allows some of his dearest saints to be bent by the trials and buffeted by winds of adversity so that we may be strengthened for his service and prepared for his highest purpose. Hmm. In closing, I have two requests. I'm not going to assume everybody in this auditorium is a believer. I mean, statistics would say that's, that's probably not true. Statistics from the Barner Group would say nearly 50, 45 to 50% of people in churches are not saved, which is crazy. That means half of you guys. I'm not saying half of you guys are not saved, but that's what statistics say, that half of you guys are not saved. And so what I never want to do is when I close out a message, I always want to give you an invitation to receive the greatest gift that's ever been given, the, the gift of Jesus Christ. Get this, get this. I believe that Romans 12, 2 says that God has given us faith as a gift. He's given you a measure of faith. Amen. The fruit of the Spirit gives you faith. He says love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, faith. It's actually what it says in the Greek, peace, peace, not faithfulness. But he actually gives you faith. If, if God, has he's God has implanted faith in you, he requires that faith back from you. And so if you, you've been having God, been, God's been bringing you to church and God's been moving on your heart and God's been, God's been pricking your heart to, to trust in him. You're here today. That's a, that's a step of faith. You've actually come to church where you can be asleep or watching XFL. <laughs> I don't know. But you're here, and God desires to be in relationship with you, not religion. He don't want to give you a list of rules and do's and don'ts. 
He wants to give you relationship. He wants to love you. He wants to serve you. He wants to undergird you. He wants to give you his presence, his person. He wants to give you his purpose. He wants to give you all the things that he wants to give you because he loves you. He says, I have more than you can think or imagine. He says, I have this for your life. But you got to come by faith. You got to appropriate that by faith. And guess what's so amazing about that? That faith he's actually given to you. He's giving you the capacity to believe and to trust him. He's been drawing you to himself. He'll put these nuggets in your heart. He'll put this tug in your heart that you would know that Jesus is the real thing, that he is Lord and Savior. And all I'm simply asking is this. It is a simple 2 Corinthians 5 prayer. The Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin that we may become what? The righteousness of God. God wants to do a great exchange. He wants to give you righteousness and take your sin, the sin that you could never, ever pay for. No matter how good you think you could be, you could never, ever pay for it. Get this. It is a free gift. I don't know if you guys getting ready to pay your tax bill, but my taxes are high in King County. They cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs over here with taxes. But Jesus said, I'm offering salvation completely scot-free. I don't know if you guys are in the market to buy a house, but I did, and it broke me. <laughs> Jesus says, I'm offering you a house in heaven that's free because of what he's done. He says, it is a free gift of God. It is by grace and grace alone. So God is saying, please, come to me. Come receive the provisions that I've made. And if that's you, I would pray you would come. Secondly, the next invitation I want to give is an invitation to rededicate your life. You have been like this church. You, you, you have been tossed to and fro by the winds and the trials and the tribulations, and your faith is not settled. And all we want to do here today is encourage you to come alongside of you, to walk with you, to, to be a community for you, and, and to encourage you, to establish you in your faith. If you're saved and you say, you know what, I, I want to be that husband, I want to be that wife, I want to be that father, I want to be whatever it may be, and you need help, you need, you need to rededicate, you need to recommit your life to the Lord, please come. My UW guys know I hate the word try. I hate it. I can't stand it. I don't need you to try to follow God. I need you to commit to following God. Because I deal with counseling all the time, and men says, I tell you, I say, I say, I need you to commit, bro. I need you to try. Well, I'm gonna try. No, I need you to commit. I need you to commit because if you're trying, you're dying. I said, tell your wife this, I'm gonna try to be faithful, honey. She's gonna smack you in the mouth. But I need you to commit to being faithful. I'm going to try to be at the games, honey. No, I need you to commit to doing, to, 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 to being at the game and, and being a man of your word. Amen. So I'm calling you to commit. Amen. I'm calling you to commit your life to Christ in salvation, and I'm calling you to commit your life in, to Christ in sanctification, that you will walk with him, and you will have a great community here to do that for you. Amen. If there be any, please come. Please come. While the blood is running warm in your veins, please come. That salvation is free. Salvation is free. God desires to, 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 to save you. He desires to be in relationship with you. Please come. And God desires to use you. He desires to make you like his son. Amen. If, that's, if that's you, would you please come? Amen. Would you please come? Would you please come? Amen. Amen. Would you please come?
please come. Amen. Amen. Put your hands together. In, in heaven, they party, and so we should be doing the same right here. Would you please come? May God's spirit is moving in the hearts of my sisters. Would you please come? Amen. Come on down, brothers. Amen. Amen. Bring them, Lord. Bring them, Lord. Bring them, Lord. Bring them, Lord. Please come. We got time. Please come. While you still got breath in your lungs, please come. Our Lord, our Lord loves you. He desires to save you. He desires to fill you with his spirit. He desires to, 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 to walk with you, to talk with you, for you to be his own. Would you please come? 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 Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for these who have come. God, you know their hearts, God. They've made a public declaration, God. I love the fact that Jesus didn't die in the closet, but he died on a hill for all to see. And my brothers and my sisters have walked down to make a public declaration that they want you to be their Lord and Savior and that they want to walk with you. So, Lord, meet them at their very point of need, God. That, Father, you would fill them with your spirit, God. Fill them with your love, Lord. Fill them with your grace, Lord. Cover them with your mercy, God. Cover them with your presence, God. That, Father, you would be with them, Lord. And that, Father, you would bless them, God. Favor them, God. Give them your grace. Give them your mercy, God. God, we thank you so much for the salvations. We thank you so much for the rededication, God. And we trust that, Father, you're going to complete the work that you started in their lives, Lord. So, Father, make it happen. Let it be so because you said so. And we trust and we claim and we receive your promise, God. We love you, Lord. We praise you, God. Thank you that you first loved us, God. Thank you so much that you love these who have come. And most of all, God, thank you so much for your spirit. That, Father, we can love you. So thank you so much for my brothers and my sisters. We love you. We honor you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. Oh, Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. My God, that's who you are. Help me out a little bit. Waymaker, promise keeper, miracle worker. My God, that is who you are. Waymaker. We, I mean, I could just do this all day, like I, but I'm not, I'm not. Last service, I even forgot to have people sit down. So go ahead and sit, have a quick seat. My name is James, I'm one of the elders here. Um, and uh, we, you know, we're having church today. I don't know if you noticed, but we are having church. I want to remind you about filling out that connection card. If you uh, were one of the folks who came down here and uh, made a decision for Christ, uh, there's a spot on that card that you can uh, indicate that. Uh, and if you're new, uh, when the ushers come down, don't put uh, your card in that bucket. If you 
uh, just go ahead and take that out with you. Um, ushers, come on down, uh, because there's one more thing on that uh, connection card. It has to do with our budget. Uh, you have an opportunity to affirm uh, that today. Uh, in fact, there's a pie chart here uh, on the screen uh, that points out the way uh, that the budget is spent. One of the things that may not be clear there is that this church, uh, the building actually pays for itself. So uh, between the events that come in or the parking um, contracts that we have, uh, what that means is that every single thing that you give goes directly to the ministry of this church, right? So just know that uh, is, is happening. I also want to remind you uh, that there are some refresh uh, signups uh, that uh, if you would like to sign up for that um, uh, conference and, and help, uh, the volunteer, there's some signups that you can do out in the hallway. And then there's also guys night uh, that is coming. Uh, I guess that's this Friday. Uh, and uh, we encourage you uh, to come on out uh, for that as well. All right. Um, I am going to ask uh, that uh, you, in a moment you're going to go ahead and, and stand up. Uh, and when you do that, go ahead and stand. When you do that, uh, please know that if there's anything that you would like to be prayed for, uh, there is a, a great place. Just come on out. Uh, this, uh, the main door is here and, uh, and, and turn that way. Uh, and there is uh, an alcove, a space there uh, with great folks who are there and ready and willing to pray for you, to celebrate, uh, to take anything to the Lord uh, that is necessary. All right. Well, I'm going to pray us out of here today. I'll ask you to close uh, your eyes and accept this blessing. Dear Lord, may Overlake be the kind of place that you have enough faith in to allow us to go through hard times. And that we would be the kind of place that no matter what, we would say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Let us not be complacent as each one of us leaves here this week. May we continue to grow. May we be tested and approved. May we soar as if on the wing of eagles. We pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Have a great week.